0: And we're going to get started with Galatians 4. And today we're looking at verses 12 through 20. 12 through 20. As we continue in this grace plus nothing series. Grace plus nothing. We're saved only by the grace of God. Let me ask you guys something. Are we saved by anything else? No. Thank you. That's really just to see if you're awake. And to see if you've been paying attention. Because I've been saying this for a while now. You should know that grace plus nothing. We're saved only by the grace of God, only through Jesus Christ in the cross. You see, we are messed up people. We're filled with sin. Every single day we sin, we're inherently sinful creatures, sinful human beings. We are dirty, but Christ washes us clean. Isn't that powerful? Christ washes us clean. We think that we're in control of our lives. We think we can do certain things to better ourselves and we can do certain things to better ourselves in a worldly sense but we could never do enough to better ourselves to cleanse ourselves and remove our sins that's where Jesus comes in hand in play that's where God comes in play we needed God's grace we needed Jesus to make us clean. This is our Heavenly Father's love. So, without going any further, I thought I would show you guys just another little video clip to just help spice things up and to help you understand a Father's love. Let me see if I can get it going here. Just a little video about grace. If you want to turn down the lights up front and make sure the volume's on for the computer, it would be great. Thank you for entertaining me with watching that video. So it's a little bit longer a video, but for those who are watching on live stream or listening in, let me just recap that and for you guys as well. So you see this, these two kids, oh God love them. They wake up in the morning, they see this beautiful sunrise, it's a beautiful day. So they say, let's go outside and get into trouble. I mean, have some fun, right? So they go out to the barn, they find this huge mud puddle, and do they walk around, come on a lot of you have kids. Do your kids walk around the mud, po- the mud puddle? I mean, I try to get my son to, but generally he wants to jump in it. And I say it about three, four, 20 times. Do not jump in that puddle. Do not, if we're getting closer, don't jump in that mud puddle. Well, there's no dad here watching them at that moment. So they jump in the mud puddle and not just jump. They climb up on a brick to get a little more height and they jump in it. And then they start splashing, and then they start grabbing those handfuls of mud. But then there's dad walking into the scene, and they see him. Oh, no, they start wringing their hands. We're in trouble now. What are we going to do? So just like what we do, we stick our finger out. They stuck their finger out and blamed each other. It was his idea. It was his idea. But then we see the father has a garden hose hidden behind his back and starts spraying them off. He starts cleaning them. You know, that's the point that really, the part that really got me. Because me as a dad, that is not me. I will fully admit it. I am the one thinking, what did you just do? No, and, and sometimes we forget what it's like to be a kid and just want to have some fun and just have to be <coughs> adventurous. Those kids were adventurous. But dad, he didn't start yelling at them. He didn't start screaming at them. And maybe that's a conviction for us right there. No dad shows them grace he takes out that garden hose and he starts just spraying them off washing them off and having fun with them i didn't see him yell one word it was just all laughs and smiles and fun you see i thought that would help you to understand grace those boys well in my opinion and maybe a lot of yours maybe they didn't deserve that grace at that moment it looked like they were probably doing something they shouldn't have especially when they're getting that handful of mud and putting it in their hair. Oh, no. But that father washed them clean anyways. And that's what God does for us. He washes us clean anyways. Although we don't deserve that grace. Although he he knows we're going to get in that mud again. We're going to get dirty again. God still washes us clean. Now, here's the difference. Those boys, ultimately, they could have washed themselves later... Now, maybe they wouldn't have. I know for us parents, we know generally, we got to tell them like 20 times, go clean up, go clean up. But we're having fun. They could have washed themselves. But when it comes to our sins, when it comes to our natural sinful state, we could not cleanse ourselves. We needed the Father to send Jesus, to die on that cross, to show us grace and to wash us clean. That's where we start today. I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 4, 12 to 20. And if you want to follow along with me, you may do so from looking up front at the screen or from looking down at your Bibles. As we read this, Galatians 4, 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. Excuse me. Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong, They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. I am perplexed about you. I have two brothers, just a short another story. Mike, who's six years older than me, and Steve, who's four years older than me. And I love my brothers greatly, and I have many, we have many great memories together, some as a child and some now as adults. I can say, though, I can't remember any memories of me going out with them and jumping in a mud puddle. But what I do know is I have many memories of them being tough on me. I have many memories, and I probably deserved it, ...of wrestling around on the ground fighting them. And I have to admit, and I hope they're not watching... ...but I have to admit, they always won. Because they're older than me and they're bigger than me. They're tough. But you see, they're also tender. As they would give me loving appeals talking to me about my life. That many times I was not living how I should have. Whether it be not treating my friends how I should... ...my parents how I should... Or whether it be not living as a good man of God or a Christian as I should. My brothers looked out for me. And although they were tough, they could also be tender. And that's where we start today. We start with talking about brothers being tough but tender. And here, Paul starts to be tender. You see, up until this point in Scripture, in the book of Galatians, Paul has been very tough. He's been confrontational. He's been direct Some would say he's even been blunt with these people. He was wrestling on the ground with all of these Galatians through this letter. As he tried to tell them, what are you thinking? You're not acting like you should. You're not following the right person like you should. You're listening to false teachers. You're turning back on ways that you shouldn't even consider turning back upon. He has not been at a loss of words as he... ...continues and continues and continues to preach at them that you need to change your ways... ...you need to stop what you're doing and you need to turn back. He has been writing this letter much like a debater on a high school debate team... ...or better yet, a college debate team... ...as he's trying to get across his point. No matter what he has to say, no matter what he has to do... ...as long as it goes along with God's truth, he's doing it. Or some would say he's like a lawyer... In a courtroom or a devout theologian or college professor lecturing his students in the classroom with an irrefutable presentation. Not giving the, the kids in the class any opportunity to speak up and speak against him because he just has such a perfect presentation. The congregants in the, in the uh, courtroom or in the classroom have no choice but to listen You see, Paul wanted them to know the truth, that salvation is by God's grace alone. Paul had spoken to them about many different illustrations in many different ways, but it's all been bluntly tough love. And now, now we start looking to a different side of Paul as he starts to show a more personal side. And he starts speaking to them with tenderness, with a loving appeal. As he says, brothers, I entreat you, I entreat you, you see, Paul is like the father in that video we saw. Where he's, he starts to speak to them in a way which maybe they didn't deserve at that time. And he speaks to them as brothers. And he starts to use his own personal examples from his life to show them how they should be living compared to how they are living. He gives them a loving appeal. Let me read this to you again as he says, but in the CSB version, the Christian Standard Bible, I like the words... I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also became like you. You have not wronged me. Paul goes from lecturing or pleading his case before these people. Paul goes from being blunt, from being tough, to being tender. And he begins to give them this loving appeal. And this brings me to the main point of this message today is this. I think we have something to learn here. You see, all believers must strive to be tough but tender. Being purposed to have, a loving, to have loving appeals to our brothers and sisters in their times of need. Too often, we're on one side or, the, or another of that. Maybe we're too tough, but we fail to be, to be tender. We fail to show them love. Or maybe we're too tender and we fail to be tough when... We need to be tough. Sometimes people need to hear tough love. And we don't like to hear it, but we need to hear it. We are commanded to keep each other accountable and to help one another. And that's not just always tickling each other's ears with the good things. Sometimes they have to hear the bad things too. Or simply what Paul is doing here is giving them a loving appeal. I think as we look to this, There's four different sections of this scripture selection today. We have Paul's loving appeal to his brothers and sisters, the Galatians. We have Paul's remembrance of them. Then we have Paul's warning for them. And then we have Paul's Paul's heart and desire for their lives. I hope you can see that. I went a bit far down on the slides there. But I'll say that again. As we look to this selection of scripture, we'll see... Four different things that Paul is addressing. He shows a loving appeal to his brothers and sisters at the very beginning. As he says, I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me for I also became like you. And then he gives them a remembrance of them, of their past, how they have treated them in the past. As he says, you have not wronged me. And then we have Paul's warning for them. And then four, we have Paul's heart and desire for their lives. You see, Paul starts out with that loving appeal to his brothers. As he says, become like me. Now, that sounds kind of bad at first, doesn't it? I want to use my deep voice, my Paul voice. as Maybe he said, hello, friends. Become like me. For I have all things just how it should be. But we know that's not how Paul said it at all. Now, I don't know if he had a deep voice like that. Maybe he did. Maybe he had a deep manly voice. But Paul didn't say it like that. He didn't say, hello, friends. Become like me because I have it all together and I am perfect and I am righteous and I am holy. No. He says, become like me. Because he knows that his past way was not the right way to live. He knows that the only way to live is by the grace of God. The only way to live is with the salvation of Jesus Christ, not by works, not by legalism, not by these false beliefs of many pagan gods, not by these false beliefs that we need to celebrate certain festivals and certain rites of passage and certain days or months of the year or of the calendar, certain seasons. These things do not save you. Now, they might be good things to celebrate. How many of you celebrate your birthday? How many of you keep your hands raised? Come on. Everybody should have your hands raised. We all celebrate our birthdays. How many of you think it's a bad thing? Nobody. It's good to celebrate our birthdays. It's good to have certain months of the year, days of the I'm celebrating spring right now. Anybody in here celebrating spring with me? Is that a bad thing? No. But it's not what saves us. It might save our backs from continuing to shovel this snow. But it doesn't give us eternal life with God and restored relationship with him. The only thing which does that is our salvation through Christ Jesus and his death on the cross, his burial in the grave, and his resurrection being victorious over sin. Paul knows that they're struggling with some of the very same thoughts or actions that he used to struggle with. And that's why he says, I beg you, be like me now. Don't be like me how I used to be. Turn away from this legalism. Turn away from these works. Turn away from the law and the acts. Turn away from your old ways fully and stop tiptoeing back into it thinking that, well, maybe I need just a little bit about a little bit of this past stuff with this new stuff. It's grace plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing is all about Jesus. Again, it's not that some of those bad things are bad, but we need to realize... They have nothing to do with grace. It's only grace. Only grace. So Paul before was tough, but now he's tender. But Paul still warns them against living in bondage. He's just doing it now in a different way as he's using his personal life as an example for them to see. Paul reminds them, just as he did in chapter 2, verse 19, that I died to the law that I might live to God. I died to the law that I might live to God. Paul recognizes that he once was as they are, or as they're being tempted to be, struggling with the choice of how to live, struggling with the decision of, do we still need a little bit more of this past with the present? And Paul knew that the Galatians needed some reminders. But he reminds them now as a brother. Not a tough brother. He's done that. But a brother with tender love, giving them a loving appeal. We, too, are either the Galatians or Paul. I want you to think about that today. Are you the Galatians or are you Paul? If you're the Galatians, maybe you need a reminder to confess once again. Commit yourselves to Christ once again. Commit yourself to follow him, to surrender to him. And realize that maybe you're living and doing things that you should not be doing. Maybe you need to remind yourself who your life belongs to. Your life does not belong to this world. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. You're not of the world. You're of a godly relationship. You're children of His, children of God. Maybe you need to remind yourself that you should be living a changed life. And there should be evidence for your faith. Maybe you need to remember who saved you in the first place. And who continues to be with you each and every single day thereafter. Or maybe you're Paul. Maybe you feel, you know what, I'm doing pretty good there. Although we can all improve, none of us us are perfect. None of us are holy or righteous. But maybe you feel like you're doing pretty good. Maybe you need to be like Paul. Maybe you need to use your own personal life examples to speak tenderly and loving to the people around you. Use your testimony. Use your life experiences. And not just the good ones. You know what? People need to hear some of the bad things that we've done in our life. To be able to tell them, I understand. I've been there. But be like me now. And follow after Christ. Follow after his rightful way of living. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. You see, we like to share one side of us. We like to make it look like we're all holy and righteous. And we've never done anything wrong. Listen to me, kids. I've got the right way of living. But sometimes they need to see that we've also made bad choices. But we've learned from them. And God can use your testimony. Your whole testimony. What is a testimony? A testimony is your story. That's how I like to explain it. What is your story? You're before Christ your salvation experience of conversion to accepting Him and asking forgiveness, your redemption, and then your after Christ. How are you living now? You need to share this with people. Paul does not just say, live as I live, be like me, but he gives people a loving appeal by putting his life on display as an example. The second part of this verse, for I also have become as you are, was meant to help the Galatians to relate with Him. Just like our testimonies do with people, our stories, they help people to relate with us... ...and to understand that we do understand. We've made mistakes too, but we realize that those mistakes don't control us. God controls us. Paul has been where they are. He has gone through what they are going through. He knows what it's like to try and be persuaded by these Jewish teachers, by these false teachers. He knows what it's like to have all these people saying... You've fallen away and you need to turn back to the law. You need to turn back to doing things how you used to be doing. You need to, at the very least, add these things back into the picture. And Paul is telling him, no, be like me. This brings us to number two. Number two, Paul's remembrance of them. You see, Paul changes from looking to his life and using this as an example to now looking to how their lives once more and how these people have controlled them so much that they've changed their very nature. They've changed how they're treating Paul. They've changed how they're treating the gospel and grace. Not only have they done them no wrong in the future, but in in the past, but it, it shows that they loved him. They showed compassion to him, and they received him with great, great, great mercy. But now something has changed. They had become cold-hearted. They had completely flipped around. And why? Paul tells us because he was telling them the truth. We too can flip around quite quite fast when people start telling us the truth that we don't like to hear. Even in this congregation, in this room, you see, people love the truth to be preached to them when it tickles their ears and when it makes them feel good about themselves. But then as somebody starts kind of hitting a nerve, which makes kind of slouch into your pew and make you feel like, oh, that's me. You're right. I haven't been living how I should. You start getting defensive. Well, this is why. And maybe it's not the pastor. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's a dad. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a sister. Maybe it's a friend. As they start telling you, you're not living how God would want you to live. And you start giving all these reasons. Well, so-and-so deserved me to ...to be mean to them like that. So and so deserved me to excommunicate them out of their lives. But that's not the example that Christ gives us. The example Christ gives us is of forgiveness. Forgiveness when we did not deserve it. That doesn't mean that we don't need to work through things. We do. But we work through them and we forgive. And we rebuild that trust. Now that's something very different. But we need to make sure that we listen... When people are trying to warn us, when we're living a certain way. And and maybe sometimes we are like Paul and we need to warn other people's people. Instead of just being tender, we do need to be tough. But I do know this. We need to make sure that we do not allow the world to harden our hearts. But to allow God to open your hearts. How many of us are living today with hardened hearts? God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants us to live with our hearts wide open. Most importantly to Him, but also to other people, as we show them the same type of love that we would want to hear. Once you have your heart opened up to God, opened up to His will, opened up to His purpose, we need to guard our hearts to make sure they don't become closed off and hardened again. You know what a heart with hardened vessels does? It ends up failing. We don't want to fail. We want to be alive. When Paul first went to Galatia, there were many Jews and Gentiles alike, but there were many Jews who were turning themselves against Paul because they didn't like that that he was giving this message also to the Gentiles, to the unbelievers, the worshippers of false gods. And they thought this message should only be for them. Yet Paul delivers this great message to all these people. And it tells us, That God did amazing things in his life as Paul brought many people to believe in God, to believe in Jesus. This new way of grace was represented through Paul in a new way that brought forth many, both Jews and Gentiles, to be believers. And this was all even with a physical bodily illness, an ailment. And this is what Paul also uses as he talks to them about his remembrance of them. That even with this physical issue he had... They still accepted him with loving arms. They still had compassion upon him. What was this illness? We really don't know. I did some research into this, and you guys do, can too, because there's a lot of different theories out there. But it mainly comes down to three theories that people think the, the ailment, the physical illness was. Um, most people believe it was something like, like malaria. It was something which was very common in that area for where he was ministering. It was something that was common in that day and age, and something which people could obviously see was burdening him. Now, whatever the illness was, though, Paul says that it was a trial for the Galatians. Paul says that they could have looked down at him scornfully, but they did not. And I think about that. I think either A, and, and I really think this is true as we read the scripture here, And it tells us, let me read this to you again. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Despite whatever physical illness he had. That's not really the point. The point here is he's reminding them that despite his physical illness, his physical ailment, whatever it was. And however obvious it was that, that they could it could have been a real trial for them to look at him. And keep a straight face and not want to turn away or not want to leave. Maybe it's because they'd be afraid that they would catch whatever disease or illness he had. Maybe it was just hard for him to look at. But whatever it was. It tells us this, it was because of this bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. I believe that he received this bodily illness and it delivered him into Galatia to seek medical attention or, or rest to be able to recuperate. Or he was in Galatia at this time when he became ill and this allowed him the opportunity to preach to these people. And it brings me to another point and I don't think I'm getting ahead here. Let me go forward here. God will use you and your weakness to accomplish his mission. But you must submit yourself to his will despite your circumstances. You see so often we're ill and we think oh woe is me. I need to stay in bed. I can't do anything. Now if you have the stomach flu, please stay in bed. I don't want you. Call me. Text me. Post a Facebook post. I don't want you giving it to me. (laughs) But whatever's going on in your life that's a poor excuse for an example. But whatever's Whatever God's doing in your life, allow him to use it for his mission. Paul allowed this illness to be used for God's glory. Some would say that this might have been a divine illness that God gave him to be able to drive him into Galatia and deliver this good news to these people. Whatever the case may be, we see, though, God used him still. God made, may have made him sick to specifically drive him into this community. God may have made him sick to specifically set up an opportunity for these people to come to him and care for him. And through them caring for him, he's able to care for them and say, Look, I want to pay this back. I want you to see how much God loves you, how much Jesus loves you. Just as you've cared for me, God has cared for you by sending his son Jesus to give you a new way of living and a new way of living for all eternity. Despite his illness, Galatians 4 tells us that he was accepted like an angel, like Christ himself. Now, at first I got stuck on that. I thought, are you saying that they accepted you like Christ? I mean, how arrogant, how egotistical. What's that mean? But no, it's, it's again an example of just how welcoming they were to him. They were so welcoming to him, so compassionate, so loving to him, that it was like it was Jesus Christ himself or an angel coming before them. How would you welcome Jesus into your home? I would think you'd be welcoming pretty, pretty well. You would be giving him all the love of your heart, all the compassion. Hopefully we do that every day of our life, in our spiritual homes, in our homes of our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, our souls, in our life. But this is what they mean by that. We could speak a lot more of this. By Noah's time. I need to move on. But here's the point. Paul reminded them of their past acceptance of, the, of him. So that they could see just how much they've changed. Because these false teachers entering their life. You're turning me away. You're turning away this message of grace. But this isn't how you were. You're allowing these people to change you. I want to read to you that next section before we attack it here. And we'll start to wrap up rather fast. But I'm going to read it to you in the message translation. And it says this. Let's see. I think I, I don't know if you can see it there. But just so you have something follow along. It says this. Those heretical teachers go to great lengths to flatter you. But their motives are rotten. They want to shut you out of the free world of God's grace. So that you will always depend on them for approval and direction. Making them feel important. It is a good thing to be ardent in doing good. But not just when I am in your presence. Can't you continue the same concern for both my person and my message when I am away from you that you had when I was with you? Do you know how how I feel right now? And will feel until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives. Like a mother. This is a pretty strong picture here. He feels like a mother in the pain of childbirth. Oh, I keep wishing that I was with you. Then I wouldn't be reduced to this blunt letter-writing language out of sheer frustration. So part three and four of the message were this. Paul's warning for them and Paul's heart and desire for their lives. So I want to start with that first part just briefly. Paul's warning for them. As we're talking and we've been talking about, are you Paul or are you the Galatians? Do you need to speak tough and tenderly to some people in your lives? Well, maybe Paul's warning for them gives you an example for your life. Are people trying to speak a warning into your life? But we're we're too stuck up to listen to it. We don't want to change our ways. We don't want somebody to hold us accountable. But as long as they're holding us accountable to God's way of living, we need to listen. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you need to be like Paul. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you've been knowing you need to talk to. Well, then I urge you to talk to them. But don't just be tough. Be tough but tender and show them a loving appeal because you're a brother, a sister of Christ. Do it in a way which honors and glorifies him. Paul tells them that it is good to eagerly seek somebody. Move forward here. Somehow my notes got all mixed up. You see, it feels great to be wanted. But we must look to the intention of those who are showing us this attention. Who's showing us the love. What is their purpose in showing us this new intention of love? Is it to separate us from God? Is it to bring us closer to them or closer to God? Because we need to make sure we're following God as our number one priority. Paul transitions from being a speaker to his brothers now to being a speaker to his children as a mother with childbirth pains. Like I said, a pretty strong picture. His children in faith that he was bringing up and maturing in their knowledge of the Lord. This is who he's talking to. And he, like a mother with children, has great love for them that despite these pains, despite these childbirth pains, he's not going to leave them. He's not going to leave them alone to continue seeking out the wrong direction. No, he writes this letter. And he writes this letter to warn them that this is the wrong way of living. But he now does it not just tough, but tenderly. He has great compassion for them to hear the truth so much that his desire is to be with them. His ultimate desire for them is to be with him personally. Because right now, he's perplexed. He just doesn't know what else to say. He doesn't know what else to do. Sometimes we get perplexed like that as well. We get perplexed as we don't know what else to type, what else to say, what else to do. I tell you, the first thing we need to do is bring it to God in prayer. And then go to that person directly. Maybe some of you have tried to resolve some problems over email, over text, over a phone call. And sometimes that's good. But a lot of times it causes problems, and we do need to be better, myself included, at going to person, a person directly. And that's what Paul says. I'm perplexed because I just wish to be with you, to get away from this blunt style writing of a letter. So what are we going to do? I urge you to do this. Strive to be tough but tender. Being purposed to have loving appeals to our brothers and sisters in their times of need. Show them the grace of Christ, but also make sure sure that you're listening to your brothers in Christ. Don't just preach at them, but listen to them. Show them your love. Show them Christ's love. Show them God's love. As you leave today, I want you to think about this. Are you more like Paul? Are you more like Galatians? Either way, I think we have some things to think about. And maybe we have somebody that we need to be tough but tender and give a loving appeal to. Or maybe somebody else is trying to be tough but tender to us and we're not listening. Let's bow our heads and pray now as we close.